Greetings, everyone, and uh, welcome to this online Dharma Hall session. Just checking that you can hear me uh, clearly, if you can give me a thumbs up. Yeah, here they come. Brilliant. Do let me know if that changes at any point, um, including during the guided meditation. If you can't hear clearly, if you can put a message in the chat, I'll be occasionally glancing at it uh, to make sure that you can still hear me. Yeah, very happy to be here. It's been a while. So, yeah, lovely to be here, lovely to see the Sangha, the community gathering together for for this period of, of practice and uh, reflection on the teachings. And uh, as... Usual, this session will include uh, a guided practice and some reflections on the teachings together and some time for uh, questions at the end and responses. So to begin, I'd like to invite all of us to just take a moment to feel into our intention for this time. Yeah, what's your intention for this period of practice? Yeah, what is it that you wish to nourish, to cultivate, to connect to in yourself and in the world? And sometimes uh, that can have a it can have words to it. At other times, it might not have language. It might just be a feeling. Both are okay. Um, but if you have uh, you have some words to articulate your intention, then you're really welcome to put it into the chat and I'll read it out. Uh, just to get a sense of what we're bringing to this time together. So what's your intention? Let's see what comes. What is it that you'd like to cultivate and nourish? And if words come, then putting it into the chat. There it is. Nourishing gentleness. Allowance and friendliness. Meta and giving, self-compassion, to simply be here instead of everywhere else, connection and rest, openness and warmth, a sense of ease and joy, to plant wholesome seeds. Joy and gratitude. More warmth and ease even in the most isolated and coldest places. Yeah. 
can take this um, sense of these intentions with us into our meditation together, into our meditation practice. And if you're not already in a supportive posture for practicing, then feel free, feel invited to find it. Find a comfortable, supportive posture. And taking a few moments to settle into your posture. Making making any adjustments that are needed. So that the body is as supported, stable and steady as possible. As you do that, already feeling the awareness coming into the body and inviting it even more deeply, more fully into the body. Bringing the attention to the sensations of contact between the body and the ground, the body and the seat. Feeling the contact between the body and that which supports the body. Taking a few moments to gather, collect, and root the awareness and the attention in these sensations of contact. Just like the body rests into the support of the ground and the seat. The same way. The awareness rests into these sensations of contact, the contact with the seat, with the ground.
So taking our time here, settling the awareness and the attention in the sensations of contact. Gathering into the support into the steadiness that's available. Just renoticing, paying attention to these particular sensations. And from there, opening from the groundedness, from the collectedness of attention in the contact, opening awareness, letting the awareness spread and fill out the space of the body. Open out through the space of the body. Awareness spreading up the body and down the body, the back and the front of the body, gently filling up the whole space. So that we get a sense of the whole body here. whole body present and filled with awareness this wide expansive awareness through the whole body
as we practice in this way, attuning to an intention of kindness and of interest. Can we be aligned with kindness and attention? Can we be curious? So kindness and interest as an intention and awareness. Awareness spread open and wide through the whole body, filling up the whole body. Sensitive to the whole body. And choosing what will be the object of attention for this meditation time. We might choose the breathing. We might choose the contact sensations. We might choose sound. Whatever object you want it to be as accessible as possible and as appropriate as possible. Keeping the awareness wide and open through the body, sensitive through the body. An opening to the appearance, the arising of whatever object we choose for this time. The flow and movement of breath through the space of awareness or of sound, through the space of awareness. or the presence of the sensations of contact being known in awareness. That's our practice for this time.
So this is going to be our practice and just take some time to explore it, each of us, in our own way, the awareness wide, the object in attention, received in awareness. met in awareness as it flows and moves through the space of awareness and is known in the space of awareness.
gently opening to notice what's arising in experience right now. As we notice, acknowledging that we're present in this moment with whatever is appearing. Softening and opening the space of awareness once more. Aligning with an intention of interest and kindness. within a sensitive and expansive awareness. Gently attuning to the object of attention. The breath, the sound, contact sensations as it moves and flows through awareness as it's known in awareness, received in awareness. Doing this again and again with patience, with curiosity.
Once more gently opening to what's unfolding in experience right now without judgment, with interest, with kindness. Acknowledging whatever is unfolding. Reconnecting to the intention of presence, of meeting the object in attention again and again, of feeling and knowing its appearance and disappearance. Resting again into wide spacious awareness. Receiving the sound or the breath or the body sensations. Without getting pulled in. Receiving. And knowing that appearance and disappearance, moment by moment. In a moment, the bell will ring, seeing if that too can be received in awareness and met as it appears, as it changes, and as in its own time, 
it disappears. So taking your time to make any changes, if you wish to open the eyes or change the posture, just taking your time with that, there's no rush. And as we gently transition, just want to uh, share a few words about dana practice before we go into the talk for today. Um, in case probably most of you know, these sessions are offered in the spirit of dana. They're freely offered, and you're really welcome to be here and to share uh, in this uh, community of practice. There's also the invitation, if you wish and are able to, uh, to support both uh, Gaia House for the work that is put in from their end and to make these sessions possible and uh, to support their teachers uh, for the teaching. In this case, um, that's me for today. But of course that uh, changes from session to session. So I'm just going to put the link to the Guy House support page in the chat. And you can follow that link um, if you wish to offer Dana. I'll take you through to, to how to do that. And whatever, uh, whatever you're able to offer and wish to offer is very, very gratefully received and really supports uh, all of us to continue to offer these precious drop-in sessions. So, I want to speak a little bit about what we do when we practice. I know. Um... And the practice of, of insight meditation really uh, supports us to connect, to meet what is happening in our hearts and minds. Yeah? And then from there to respond. Yeah? To respond in ways that are um, helpful, appropriate, useful. Yeah? And often as we practice in this way, what is actually revealed yeah is not just the possibilities of response but also kind of what gets in the way of seeing clearly and deeply yeah what gets in the way what blocks um, and then therefore what blocks a, a skillful response to uh, the conditions that arise 
So someone shared a story with me recently that I want to, to use as a, as a teaching uh, story here. And uh, this person was camping together with a few other people from the Sangha, from the community of practice. And they were camping by uh, a small river or a stream uh, in a place that was, you know, they were wild camping. Yeah. And uh, in a place that's fairly um, popular <laughs> with wild camping, campers. So they weren't the only ones yeah, to, be, to be camping there. And so they're by a stream, but the conditions generally are quite dry. Yeah? It hasn't rained for quite some time and everything's quite dry. And unfortunately, uh, there's a fire. Yeah? A fire starts and it's a small fire, but because um, of the conditions, it's also windy and it's dry. Uh, the fire... Uh, kind of catches yeah and so the person who shared the story with me and and her friends they're uh, immediately moved to action yeah they try to put out the fire they try to um, get people's possessions and people themselves <laughs> away uh, from that place um and what what was interesting for her in this story was that while uh, you know she and her friends were immediately moved to action, uh, some people were were very confused. Um, took them a little bit longer to get going, but in particular, there were a couple of people that were just sitting there, quite close actually to the 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 source of the fire, and they were just sitting there, carrying on as if nothing was happening. Yeah. That's an interesting story. And when my friend approached them and said, look, there's a fire, you know, it's just five meters away from you. Yeah, it's really close. There's a fire. And they kind of said to her, no, no, but the wind is blowing the other way. We're fine. Yeah, the wind is blowing the other way. We're fine. And so this is an interesting story for me. Yeah, and I'll invite you to notice if there's any judgment that's arising in you already around this. And we're going to kind of, as we unpack this, we're going to be really mindful of judgment that might be arising because what we're interested in here in this story is to, to kind of see more deeply into what's going on and what is revealed yeah, by this example. And so one thing that is revealed is what is called in the teachings ignorance, yeah, yeah, on multiple levels. And when we say ignorance, really, again, helpful not to see it as a derogatory term. It's a description. Yeah, It's a descriptive term of not seeing clearly. Yeah, Lack of clear seeing. Yeah? And so we're not so interested in going into judgment. Yeah. yeah, We'll get to that maybe also. <laughs> yeah, but actually just to see what's revealed here. So what's revealed is ignorance, lack of clear seeing on multiple levels, you know, and, and here's just a few that we can see from this story. One is kind of um, seeing something as permanent. The wind is blowing in that direction as if that's permanent rather than impermanent, rather than inconstant, as if it couldn't in a moment turn 
right? That's one kind of level of ignorance. So in, the, in Pali, this would say seeing anicca is nietzsche. Yeah? Seeing inconstancy is constancy. Yeah? So that's one form um, of, of lack of clear seeing that we can um, see in this story that kind of is revealed. Um, another form of ignorance is a very limited circle um, of care, yeah? Very limited kind of perspective, yeah, on life, yeah? This fire is not endangering me. It's blowing in the, the wind. Is, it's going in the other direction from me. Therefore, it's not relevant to me, yeah? This is another form uh, of ignorance that, that we can see. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's very close to me, yeah, but it's not, at this moment, I'm not in danger. Therefore, I don't, yeah, I'm not concerned about other beings, about the vegetation, about, you know, the impact of the smoke, but any of that. Yeah. And we can say even further, yeah, limited circle of care, and even further, a sense of separation, yeah, as if I am independent, yeah, from the plants and the wildlife yeah it's really interesting you know i've come out to be in nature <laughs> and yet i have a sense of independence from the nature that i've come uh, to enjoy yeah. so i'm just giving these as examples that all manifestations of ignorance or deluded seeing avidya in pali yeah ignorance deluded seeing the opposite of clarity of discernment of wisdom yeah. And the reason I was saying kind of let's not get caught up in judgment <laughs> is because we can see this. Yeah, the same manifestations of avidya, the places where, um, you know, there's no there's there's no or there's little clarity. There's no discernment. There's no wisdom. We can see that in ourselves. Yeah. We can see that in others. We can see that in the world. Yeah. It's, it's part of our uh, human condition as individuals and as societies. Yeah, so we can see that, yeah, the kind of lack of of um, of care, the kind of the very minimal circle of care. They're not uh, seeing the impact of what is happening. They're not seeing our own capacity to make a difference. Yeah. So you know, of course, the climate emergency is one great um, one great example of that I was actually just reading I think yesterday um, an analysis of <laughs> sorry to bring in politics but an al- analysis of of you know the the government's um, latest kind of uh, response to the cost of living crisis and particularly to the energy bill saying we're going to cap them um, and someone analyzing and, and just analyzing the limitations of that not saying that shouldn't happen but saying, you know, but that without the 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 um, encouragement, yeah, to cut down on energy use is just going to make the problem worse, yeah, on some levels, yeah. If we're just keeping the price down artificially, but we're not looking at the overuse of energy, yeah, or at ways to cut down on that, like insulating buildings, yeah, or you know, or all of that. I'm I'm, I'm really reining myself in not to go into more into this more but but we can see yeah even an act that is 
you know, is helpful, but it doesn't have that really big picture view. Yeah, it can be limited also. It can be also have a thread of a video in it. Yeah, lack of clear seeing. Yeah, I really want to say, and I'm not at all <laughs> opposed to this cap, to be really clear. Just not enough. Yeah, not enough. And so it can be interested to, to, to kind of see for ourselves uh, what happens to us when we hear that, when this is pointed out to us. Yeah, there is um, a vidya, yeah, in the way we are in the world, the way we perceive the world, the way we respond yeah, to the world. Um, and kind of what happens in us, you know, there may be a sense of, of judgment, of criticism, um, of ourselves, of others, yeah. And the invitation is to actually see, ah, can this be um, an invitation yeah, to develop more clarity? Yeah. And that's kind of that sense of the um, hand-in-hand yeah, intentionality of, inten- of interest and kindness that I was emphasizing through the meditation. And I, I think for those who know me generally emphasize yeah, how important those, that those two come together. As we kind of have this intention to move from um, a deluded or a partial seeing or an unclear way of seeing to a clear seeing of kind of what is propelling us, what gets in the way and uh, how we can respond. To have kindness in there, to have interest there, to can feel the pain yeah it's painful to see these things again if we just go back to that original scenario you know people sitting in nature having come to enjoy nature and then not being moved to do anything when there's a fire just five meters away yeah that's painful right and can we feel that pain yeah can we feel that pain So this is important because uh, through practice, we deepen our understanding of suffering and how it's conditioned. That's a big part of what we're doing. And we also deepen our understanding um, of well-being and how that is conditioned. What nourishes well-being, what what nourishes support. And so the more we can attend yeah, to our own, own experience, and, and hopefully we're getting the sense of that example now as you're listening, talking about other people, someone else, you know, the government, <laughs> these campers, you know, but we can look inside at the same time and see what's going on in here. Yeah? And as we attend to our own heart and mind, not just seemingly separately from the world, but in relation to the world, um, yeah, we our understanding deepens, our wisdom deepens, and possibilities open up. Yeah, possibilities uh, possibilities of creatively responding, yeah, to the patterns and habits, and um, obstacles. Yeah, things that obscure, block freedom, that obscure and block uh, well-being for ourselves, um, and and for others. And so. You know, I think the really beautiful thing about Dharma teachings is that they point out, yeah, there is this avidya, there is this ignorance, there is this lack of clear seeing or deluded seeing as sometimes it's described. 
But this can be transformed. And that's what we're doing when we practice. Yeah, we support that movement from uh, a deluded or obscured seeing to a clear yeah, seeing. Yeah, to a clear seeing. This can be transformed. And one of the, the teachings that can really support us as we do this is you know, what is called the teachings of the, the three um, characteristics or the three marks of existence. Yeah? Or um, to use Robert Bayer's language, you know, three um, freeing ways of looking. Yeah? We can look at life. Yeah? We can look at experience. And kind of another way of saying it, you know, we look in kind of in a counter movement <laughs> to our habits of seeing. Yeah. And so these three ways, I'm just going to say them in Pali. Yeah. Um, and then in English. So Sabe Sankara Anicca. All conditions, th- all conditioned things are inconstant. Changing, transitory. Yeah, that's the meaning of anicca. Sabe sankara dukkha. Yeah. All conditioned things are unreliable. Yeah, unsatisfactory. Yeah, from their own side, do not contain satisfaction. <laughs> that's my favorite way of saying this. Yeah, all conditioned things do not contain satisfaction. And the third, sabe dhamma anatta. All dhammas, all things, both conditioned and unconditioned, yeah, are anatta, not self. Do not exist independently and separately, yeah, from their own side. And so. These are three ways of looking we can turn to, we can cultivate, yeah? we can intentionally look through yeah? in this movement of the transformation of ignorance into wisdom, into understanding. Yeah? And let's kind of pause with them and look again. You know? That's why I'm seeing that all conditioned things are inconstant. Yeah? All conditioned things, which is... <laughs> Everything we know, yeah, is inconstant, transitory, yeah, changing. And this one, in many ways, is the one that is easiest for us to accept, intellectually at least, yeah. But there's still some work, yeah, that we need to do quite a lot to actually see that way, yeah. And the kind of playful, interesting thing we can do in our practice is to intentionally see through that lens. Yeah? Yeah, what happens when, you know, we look at something? I always end up doing it with a cup. I don't know why. <laughs> we see this as, you know, transitory, yeah? inconstant yeah? on so many levels, you know. So, you know, the day I bought this cup, you know, really excited about it yeah this is kind of leading to the second one oh, it's really beautiful 
you know, even better, Nathan doesn't like it, so it's all mine. <laughs> yeah. Really, you know, get really excited. But then over time, we see with, with most things, right, it becomes just a cup. It's not this really great cup that I bought today. Yeah, just a cup. Yeah, you see, yeah. That's one level, yeah. Our relationship to it as transitory is in a constant. Uh, but we can also see, you know, yes, this this very likely... <laughs> Either at some point I'll have other favorite cups and it will go back to the charity shop. <laughs> yeah. Or it will, you know, change its form. It will crack, it will break. Yeah. It's inconstant. What happens when we see it in that way? And of course, it can be easier with relatively everyday objects. Yeah. But we, we hone that way of seeing, we develop that way of seeing. All conditioned things are in constant, yeah? And the second one, all conditioned things, yeah, do not contain satisfaction, yeah? Unsatisfactory, yeah? And sometimes, you know, you'll see this, you know, that the, the Pali's, all, all conditioned things are dukkha. So you even see it translated as all conditioned things are stressful, yeah? Are stressful. Why? Yeah, of course, again, it's not this thing that is stressful, but my relationship to it, yeah, yeah, brings stress or can bring stress yeah, if I want it to last forever. Yeah. If I want it to always be clean waiting in the cupboard, <laughs> I discover it in the pile of washing up that someone else should have done. Yeah. Right. And we see the stress. Yeah. That can be there. Yeah? If I associate my well-being with the object, with the thing, yeah? then that is stressful. Yeah? It does not lead to well-being. Yeah? The habitual way that we push and pull on things. I like this, therefore I want to keep it close. I don't like it, therefore I want to keep it far away. That is stressful. Yeah? I'm doing this movement in the, with, my art, with my hands just to really show, you know, it creates stress, yeah, in the body, in the heart and mind, yeah, that push and pull that's so habitual to us, yeah, the demand and the contraction and the, fr- and the friction that we have with experience, yeah, that's stressful. So, kind of seeing the, the, the dukkha, not exactly in the thing, yeah, but in our relationship to it, yeah, in our relationship to it. And with this process, yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, we can see a little bit how the, um, the three ways of looking, yeah, inconstancy, dukkha, and not self, how they relate to each other and kind of build on each other, right? Because we can see in the process of the push and pull on experience, yeah, that creates the dukkha, that part of the dukkha way of looking, also the self gets built up, yeah? I want this for me, yeah? I want it to be clean and ready for me, yeah? I want it to last forever for me. So the process of self gets built up, dependent, yeah? Sense of self gets built up, dependent um, on our perception. Now, 
And so the relationship here to avidya, to ignorance, I just want to uh, highlight it, touch on it. Yeah. So the avidya as the root, yeah, as the root of uh, all suffering, yeah, all conflict, all disharmony. This is how the Buddha spoke about it. The lack of clear seeing yeah, is at the root of all the dukkha in the world. Yeah. Because when we see clearly, yeah, we see our things are inconstant, they are changing. And that supports us to not try and get lasting satisfaction from them. Yeah. Not to get lasting satisfaction from them. Yeah. And when we see, ah, that does not contain lasting satisfaction, then we can delight in having a new cup. <laughs> we can delight in it. But we don't hold that expectation that this will stay this way. And if tomorrow, you know, my partner gets up and decides that he loves this cup and wants to use it too, then maybe I'm not, yeah, I'm not suffering. Yeah, maybe I'm actually happy to share. Yeah, and there might be a sense of, ah, this is, you know, not really mine. Yeah, not really mine in the way that I take it to be. And so the Buddha, in, in another one of his teachings, which is quite interesting, I hope I'm going to have time for this, otherwise we may have to do a part two. <laughs> um, he speaks about kind of how the process of, you know, ignorance building up into dukkha. Yeah. And he calls these the perversions or distortions of view. Yeah. That the basic kind of lack of clear seeing then builds up into distortions of you. Emily, I just saw your questions in the chat. Um, what are conditioned versus unconditioned things? So the unconditioned is, is nibbana, is, you know, release, yeah, awakening, yeah. That's, that's the only unconditioned Um and yet, yeah, and obviously, I mean, we can see, but that it's an interesting change in the in the format of the three characteristics. That it's all conditioned things are in constant. All conditioned things are dukkha, um, but then all things, both conditioned and unconditioned, are not self. And so we can see there the statement is nibbana awakening, yeah, is constant and is not dukkha, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the, but it is still not self, yeah, which I, I guess kind of would make sense to us <laughs> uh, very much, yeah. So, yeah, just a little, I, it was an important question, so uh took me a while to see it, but hopefully that, that little pause digression isn't confusing to, to anyone. So the Buddha makes this link between... um Ignorance and how it leads to to dukkha through the what he calls the um, the perversions or the distortions of you. Um, in Pali, they're called the vipalasa, vipalasas, vipalasas. And 
there's four of these distortions, and I'm just going to say them. They're interesting. Uh, yeah. So one is that uh, through our view, through the distortion of view and perception, we take what is dukkha to be sukha. Yeah. We take what is unsatisfactory to be satisfactory. Yeah. And again, we can see that it's another way of 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 saying sabe sargara dukkha. Yeah, well, we see it. It works through our perception, yeah, and through our views. We take um, what is um, unsatisfactory, does not contain lasting satisfaction. We take it to to contain lasting satisfaction. We take what is inconstant to be constant. Yeah. This is uh, this is a, a, a new one. <laughs> we take what is not beautiful to be beautiful, and I would say here. Sometimes we hear that and we say, "What? <laughs> what? You know, what? Why are you pointing that out?" I would say it's just it's it's a very potent example that kind of triggers us to kind of really wake up, get alert. Yeah. So we 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 are. It, it's a it's a perversion of you. Yeah. We. Um, we give beauty, we give goodness, we give well-being to, to something that does not inherently contain it. Yeah? It's not an anti-beauty uh, statement, yeah? at least not in my understanding. And we take what is anatta to be atta. We take what is not self to be self. Yeah? We take what does not exist from its own side to exist from its own side. That's kind of how we're how we're speaking about self and not self uh, in this contents context Let's see there's a couple more things okay yeah so when we understand this yeah we can cultivate the opposite this is the invitation always with the teachings yeah we nourish the supports for clear seeing, for wisdom, for compassion, for well-being. Yeah, so we train ourselves, yeah? and we explore what happens, yeah, when we see things as inconstant. Yeah, when we see things as inconstant, we can see the usefulness for that in our lives. <laughs> you know, say, you know, your friend or your child or your partner, yeah, is in a bad mood. Or your boss yeah, is in a bad mood, and when we look at our experience in the moment, yeah, we take that to be constant, and therefore we react, yeah, in that way. This is going to last forever, and we connect the dots to the past, yeah, when that happened, and we see into the future. I'm going to be living with this grumpy person, you know, or whatever it is. But what happens when we see that this is inconstant, yeah? It's inconstant. It's not going to last, yeah? And that can give us agency to respond in ways that don't feed it, yeah? That don't feed it, yeah? It gives us the agency to look after ourselves in that situation as well. So we can cultivate the opposite, yeah? When something really wonderful happens like you know beautiful sunny glorious day which wasn't in the forecast <laughs> yeah and so you know we don't think oh yeah that's constant i may as well kind of 
stay at home with my eyes shut and, you know, go out and enjoy it tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, we might, you know, take advantage of it. Or if we can't, you know, we can appreciate it for others. So we kind of yeah, train ourselves to see that, yeah, to see the, the um, inconstancy. Yeah. A friend was telling me how um, helpful that is when she's in a low mood. Yeah? Because again, when we're in a low mood, we think, this is how I am. Yeah? And what happens when we look through that lens of inconstancy and remember, this changes. Yeah? This changes. And we might even see the fluctuations, yeah? Even moment to moment, ah, gets more, you know, it gets more intense and less intense, yeah? We remember, ah, yesterday it wasn't like this, or last week, yeah? So we can really use it, yeah? See, the inconstancy, yeah, of our moods, of our emotions, of the world outside, of our relationships, of other people, yeah? And we choose to see that way. We choose to see that way. And we see how it impacts our experience. Yeah. We choose to see, we train to see, that the well-being and the stress, yeah, the dukkha and the sukha, are not in the object, but in how I'm relating. Yeah. How I'm relating to it. Yeah. And we see how that can transform the experience. There may be discomfort or pain. Uh, you know, what, what if we kind of attend to that with compassion and with care? Yeah? What if we attune to something else that isn't painful? Yeah? We remember our possibilities of response. We also train in seeing the non-constancy of the sense of self. Yeah? And we train to see how, you know, we too and others and objects are inconstant, are changing, but are also dependent yeah, on conditions. Do not arise independent, separate from other things. Yeah. Most significantly, our own heart and mind. Yeah. The other day I was speaking to someone who comes from a, a similar... Um, a similar... Uh, environment that I grew up in, Mediterranean, <laughs> and I also now, you know, been for a while in Britain, and, and they said to me, you know, I find it really difficult, you know, when you walk around in the UK, people don't smile at you, and if you smile at them, they think you're weird. And I was just thinking about it yesterday, I mean, I think, you know, I smile at people all the time. <laughs> I don't, I don't think they think I'm weird, you know, you know, they generally smile back. Yeah. So it's kind of, we can see, you know, we can have a label, yeah, on someone else or something else. It's like this. We fix it. It's independent, yeah. British people don't smile. They think people who smile are crazy. <laughs> but then we look at our own experience and we cultivate that, yeah. We smile and we see, ah, that's also dependent. Yeah. Also, it's also dependent on the way of relating. So we choose to see, we train to see ourselves as not separate, as interdependent, as arising 
in relationship to conditions, including our own heart and mind, but also, you know, the weather, yeah, and the state of the body, and how well we slept, and our history, yeah, so many things, yeah, and we do this again and again, yeah, these are ways of practicing and of training these three characteristics, they're not an absolute truth that we need to believe in or not believe in, to agree with or to disagree with, yeah, they're they're invitations to practice, what happens when I look in this way, what happens to my own well-being? What happens to my sense of agency and my possibilities to response? And how does that impact uh, the world yeah, that I live in? And if we go back, just to close, to that sense of, um, of avidya, that, that ignorance, yeah, that deluded seeing that is at the root of all suffering, yeah, of all disharmony, of all distress in the world, and maybe we can take some motivation from that. Because yeah? as we practice and we're transforming that in our own hearts and minds, we're transforming it in the world. Yeah? The less ignorance in here, the less ignorance there is in the world that we share. Yeah? So we're strengthening wisdom. Yeah? Ignorance transformers. Yeah? Strengthening wisdom. Over and over again, over time, for the benefit of of all of us and of the world that we share. So let's just uh, breathe for a moment together. Let's do digest. Digest.